Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, Public Health for the Public. Hi, I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Medical Director, Rhode Island Department of Health. And I'm Dr. Philip Chan. Welcome, everyone. And Dr. Chan, it's great to hang out with you on this fine day here. And I'm excited about our guest today. We have Katie Gonzalez with us today, joined by Marco Katz. And I've gotten to know Katie Gonzalez a little bit. She's a peer recovery coach with Parent Support Network. And she does some really important work. One of the things Katie does, she helps babies stay with moms and therefore stay out of foster care. And I think it's really magical work that's going on in the department with Parent Support Network. And it's important to have this work done. So Katie, welcome to Public Health Out Loud. Katie, good to have you here today. Katie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks for having me. My name is Katie Gonzalez. I'm a certified peer recovery specialist supervisor for Parent Support Network. I work for Healing Mother and Baby, which works with prenatal and parenting mothers who are either struggling with substance use disorder or on medicated assisted treatment. I am also a woman in long-term recovery. What that means for me is that I have not used any substances in over six years. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you. I'd like to also introduce Margo. Margo, welcome as well to the podcast here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as well? Well, thank you for having me, Doctors McDonald and Chan. So I work at the Rhode Island Department of Health, where I manage a program that helps pregnant women who use substances be as healthy as possible for themselves and for their substance-exposed newborns. So when it comes to pregnant women who are using illicit opioids, we want to specifically support them in getting the gold standard of care, which is medication-assisted treatment. Yeah, Margo, thanks. That's great. So, you know, I think, Katie, I want to come back to you a little bit. So you're part of this program, Healing Mother and Baby Program. Can you tell us a little bit about the program and what the program does? So the Healing Mother and Baby Program works with pregnant moms or parenting who are actively using or on medicated assistant treatment. We meet the parents where they're at. So if they're stable in their recovery, we could link in to connect them to, you know, WIC, um, food stamps. If they're actively using, we could get them into a mother-child program, treatment facility, detox. So it's not a one-size-fits-all program. It's specialized for every parent that we work with. Yeah, I mean, Katie, it sounds like a really personalized program. Like one of the things it really sounds like you're doing is you're really helping to just form a relationship with somebody build some trust with somebody and really help them some of life's problems while they're navigating a very difficult chronic disease, which is often substance abuse or specifically sometimes opioid use disorder. And that's why to me, it sounds like really personal work. Would you say it's very personal work? Absolutely. So I come from the experience from having my daughter on methadone. My daughter will be turning five actually next week. I was sober when I got pregnant and Without methadone in my early recovery, I don't feel like I would have found sobriety. I know it saved my life. I know it works. So I advocate for people who are actively using to go on methadone. So with my experience being in recovery, going to the clinic, going to recovery meetings, other people in recovery, unfortunately, judge you just because of the fact that you're pregnant on methadone. My husband, is he's also six and a half, seven years in recovery himself, and he didn't understand and he, we would often actually argue about it. And he would say, why can't you just stop? You know, it's not that easy. So I come with that lived experience to better help the moms I'm working with. And I've been where they're at. And I know the same feelings and I felt the same guilt. 
Yeah, thank you, Carrie, uh, Katie, for sharing that. I think what you're alluding to, of course, is that addiction is super powerful and it really controls all elements of your life. And I think, uh, you, you know, the story that you just shared is certainly evidence of that. So thank you for being comfortable sharing that. Let's go to Margot for a second. Margot, question for you. Um, talk to us about the scope of the problem, what we're seeing in Rhode Island. Is this a problem? I guess just in general, thinking about substance use, and especially with newborn babies, why is it a problem? Why do we care? Maybe we should start there. Sure, sure. Well, in Rhode Island, we see about 100 infants a year who have neonatal abstinence syndrome, which means that after they're born, they actually experience withdrawal symptoms because they're no longer exposed to the substances they were exposed to when they were in utero or prenatally. And these, um, some of these babies need medicine in the hospital. They need to stay uh, in the hospital for longer periods of time. Uh, they need a lot of soothing and uh, they experience the same symptoms as an adult would who's going through withdrawal. So in a baby that can manifest to be um, high-pitched crying, tremors, difficulty feeding, congestion, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, which is for a tiny little baby, very distressful, but not just for the baby, but for the mom and dad as well. They can get medication in the hospital and they can also get soothing techniques like swaddling, uh, breastfeeding is very helpful, uh, skin to skin is very helpful. We, we want to, as I said earlier, encourage women who have opioid use disorder to be on medication-assisted treatment, which means methadone. So their infants, their babies, when they're born, they may also experience withdrawal symptoms, but not as bad as if mom is using illicit opioids. Yeah, no, that's uh, super helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think one follow-up question for you, Margot, uh, in thinking about newborn babies, and as you mentioned, how they can be addicted to these substances as they're being born, uh, are there any long-term uh, consequences of this? Is it, you know, once you get them appropriate clinical treatment after they're born, are there any longer-term consequences that we see from this? So we don't really know what the long-term consequences are. There was a study out of Australia that showed that infants who had had an NAS diagnosis had learning difficulties as they got older. There's still a lot of research and science being done but I also want to clarify that we're not just interested um, in helping infants who are exposed to opioids, but infants who are exposed to other substances that can affect their health and long-term development, such as cocaine, marijuana, alcohol. So this is really a broader topic, not just opioids, but substance use in general, of which there is a lot. There are a lot more than a hundred infants a year in Rhode Island. I can assure you. Yeah, thanks, Margot and, and Katie. I want to come back to you for this next question. You know, when you think about this program, Healing Mother and Baby, is it unique to Rhode Island? Or you know, and just tell me a little more about like are other states doing this? You see, in different regions of the country. I would say it is pretty unique. So myself and my team who specializes working with the pregnant moms, we're also doula certified. A doula is a non-medical support person who provides emotional and informational support to women before and after delivery. So I feel like that training gives us that extra layer of support to support these moms. A lot of them, unfortunately, they don't have boyfriends coming in the hospital. They don't have family. 
Um, unfortunately, addiction burns many bridges. So a lot of these moms literally go in there by themselves. So I'm able to provide that extra layer of support. We receive a lot of our referrals from DCYF. We are not DCYF, but they are. Look, we do it as a prevention piece. If a mom shows up at a hospital and is actively using, they get what's called the hospital alert sent to the department. And before it would be no case, no baby. So they would not intervene until after the baby's born. So now we're able to go out, meet the parent where they're at, get them up and rolling in services. So when they do deliver their children, they're already engaged with a mental health provider, substance use provider, and these moms are able to take their babies home from the hospital. Yeah, Katie, that's great. And I think, you know, one of the things you highlight is, you know, one of the things you said, I think is so powerful. The disease of addiction burns a lot of bridges. That's one of the things I've noticed about people I know who are suffering with abuse disorder or this disease is, you know, relationships get torn and a lot of bridges are born, are broken as it were, and it becomes a problem. But you actually work for the Parent Support Network. Can you just tell us a little bit about who the Parent Support Network is and how they partner with the Rhode Island Department of Health? Parent Support Network is a nonprofit agency out of Warwick. They originally started for children's behavioral health, and we now train certified peer recovery recovery specialists to work all throughout the state of Rhode Island. We started the Healing Mother and Baby Project pilot with Margot back in June of 2018, and we've been doing it ever since. Yeah, well, thank you, Katie, for all your work. I mean, I can't even imagine. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. This is something that we. This is a question that we sometimes get from people in the field uh, who are not in the field. Uh, but and the question is this: Why can't someone who is pregnant on opioids just stop? Can you talk a little bit about the power of addiction and why someone couldn't just stop potentially? Absolutely. I got frequently asked that question too when I was pregnant on methadone. I know now the trainings that I've done. A woman cannot just stop when she's pregnant using because it can put her into preterm labor. If the mom feels withdrawals, her child is going to also, which she could miscarriage preterm labor. And the fact that she's at a high risk for relapse and with the overdoses nowadays, she could use one more time because she feels sick and then overdose. And, 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 you know, Katie, I think you bring up some really important points there. Cause really what we're trying to do is really, help someone who's pregnant get into treatment. And treatment might mean methadone, might mean buprenorphine. There's a lot of things we can do to help a mom um, who's pregnant move into treatment. And I know you've had some experience with that too. Like in other words, one of the things that we're really trying to do is keep the mom and baby together. And, you know, can you tell us a story that sticks out to you about how the program has helped a mom stay with her baby? Can you share one of those stories with us? I know we've talked about one in the past. Of course, I actually thankfully have many stories that stick out to me, but there is this one mom I was working with about six months ago. We received the hospital alert. It was her first child about her testing positive for opiates a few times during pregnancy. DCYF was um, notified of this through a hospital alert, which they referred it to PSN. I reached out to mom right away. I got her involved with Women's Day IOP. First connections, the home visiting, got her up and rolling in services. When she was due to deliver in a month, she delivered and she was able to take her child home on a safety plan, which in my opinion, a year or two ago, that would have been an automatic removal. So we're reaching these moms a lot earlier, which is having better results. Yeah. And I think, you know, Katie, one of the things you illustrate is 
you know, keeping the baby and the mom together is a good public health outcome for everybody. And there's supports afterward. You mentioned going to an IOP. That's an intensive outpatient program, you know, and so really helping people get the treatment they need, uh, which I think is very helpful. Dr. Chen, let me go right back to you here. What are your what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I was wondering sort of as we we're talking here, maybe Margot can help chime in for this question, but Healing Mother and Baby obviously does uh, fantastic work in this area. But Margot, can you talk to us about what other resources may exist uh, for mothers and babies and maybe even what the Department of Health does in this area? I would be happy to. So at the Department of Health, we have um, about four family visiting programs, and one of them is called First Connections, which is our um, homegrown short-term family visiting program. And we have trained uh, the nurses in the First Connections programs to provide special extra attention for families who have substance-exposed newborns. Uh, really intensive care coordination that these families need because they have so many challenges. And, um, and then to refer them to more longer-term programs. Part of that is relationship building. And we have worked very, very hard to um, make connections between Katie and the Healing Mother and Baby Program at Parent Support Network and the First Connections nurses so that referrals go back and forth between them um, because the nurses are trained in maternal child health care, but they're not trained in recovery and treatment. And that's where Katie's expertise lies. So we feel it's very important to build bridges between these two um, uh, areas of healthcare. And Katie, I used to call her our secret weapon, but she shouldn't be secret anymore. She's like really, that. everyone should know about her. And, um, and we want women who are struggling with substance use to be able to access the, uh, the support that Katie and her team brings because it is unique um, in the world of healthcare. She has walked the walk and talked the talk, and she is specially trained to provide supports and services that others can't. So you know, she is very valued. Yeah, Margaret, I think one of the things you bring out, which I think there's just, there's a lot of value in having someone like Katie, who's got lived experience. And what lived experience is, Katie's been down this road, as she shared, and she's a person in recovery. And one of the things, I just think it's a core public health concept, one of the really critical concepts that we really try to emphasize in public health, whether it's in Rhode Island or across the country or across the planet is people need to feel welcome and it's hard to feel welcome if you feel like you're being judged and you know when you have someone who has lived experience you can say look i've been down the road you've been down i know the exit ramp i know it's a long bumpy road but i can make you feel welcome and one of the things i just think about a peer recovery coach is they make a person who's suffering from the chronic disease of opioid use disorder or substance disorder just quite frankly feel welcome supported and by the way i can help you start solving some of those problems I can build some of those bridges. Maybe help you get back together with your family. Help you help you find a way to get into a house. Maybe help you find a way to get back into work. And a lot of that's only possible when I help you get into treatment. And if I can help you get into treatment, I think it makes life an awful lot better. One of the things I just think about the collective problem in our state and the country is so many people who have the disease of substance disorder or abuse disorder, they do feel marginalized. And quite frankly, they feel marginalized socially. And they also feel like, you know, a lot of the symptoms end up where you brush up against law enforcement. So you often feel incarcerated because you are. And it really creates an uncomfortable space for people where you just don't quite frankly feel welcome. I think it's so important to feel welcome. Dr. Chan, let me bring it back to you. You've got a lot of experience in the state with this issue as well. 
What are some thoughts you have on this? Yeah, thank you, Dr. McDonald and Katie and Margot. And I think this is just a great example of how substance use really affects uh, all aspects of our lives from uh, the very young to obviously the very old and really speaks to the need to the fact that we just need to do more. And my main specialty has been the field of HIV, sexual health, STIs, hepatitis, and uh, certainly deal with a lot of addiction and substance use. So I think some of these stories are heartbreaking. I want to really thank both uh, Katie and Margot for all your work in this area. And I think maybe uh, one last question for you both. And this is, we've talked about substance use for a bit on this, uh, on this uh, podcast with some other um, guests, et cetera. But wondering, maybe from each of you, when you think about substance use and, you know, with the focus on newborns and pregnant moms, et cetera, what do we need to do better in Rhode Island? How do we get a better handle on this? I would say the stigma would make a huge difference. That's why I openly share my story with all of, all of my clients that are referred to me. My addiction took me to become homeless, in jail. Uh, I've been through a lot and I use the worst parts of my past to let people know if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I, I just feel like addiction is so stigmatized. So if people felt they could reach out to more people and not be judged by other people, I think it would make a huge difference. Yeah, Katie, I think you bring a really valuable point. You know, I think it's interesting. You know, I think it gets back to my point about people feeling welcome. You know, it's interesting, like even the word stigma is kind of a negative connotation, you know, but when people suffer from a chronic disease like opioid use disorder, we do sometimes cast judgment, and it, but really it's it's just discrimination because it's it's a chronic disease like any other disease. And quite frankly, people who are suffering with the disease aren't having a good time and they really can't wait to get healed from it um, is, is what we'd like. But quite frankly, it takes a long time to get people to recovery because it's a very, very complicated disease, a very challenging disease. And, and part of why I'm really proud of the program that you partner with us at the Department of Health where, and I think the program of Healing Moms and, and, and your baby program are really important because it really does help keeping a mom in that mindset of healing. And, and we, you know, we want to find mom wherever she is, whether it's in the beginning of her pregnancy, middle of her pregnancy, or entered her pregnancy, or even after she's had her baby, it's important to help that mama feel like she's welcome and we can help connect her to treatment and connect her to healing and hopefully keep mama and baby together. So as I, as I close out our episode today, I want to thank both Katie Gonzalez and Margo Katz for joining us today. It's been great to talk about the Healing Mother and Baby Program. A lot of important work going on. I think you have a model here for the country. And Katie, thank you so much for, as you've continued your journey of recovery, helping us in our work here and you know, consequently helping the lives of people around the state and keeping those mamas and those babies together. Dr. Chan and I have a tradition as we close our episodes. We go to Dr. Chan for our final word. Dr. Chan, what's the final word for today? Yeah, thank you, Dr. McDonald, and thank you, Margo and Katie, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. In closing, I want to leave listeners with a moment of Zen to consider throughout the rest of the day. And here it is from the Buddha. Judge nothing, you will be happy. Forgive everything, you will be happier. Love everything, you will be happiest. Thank you all and be well. I want to thank Stephanie Menders, our executive producer. I want to thank Carol Stone, our technical director. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. Have a good and keep up the great.